So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the Saskatchewan government is welcoming the announcement that Louis Dreyfus Company will expand its canola crushing facility in Yorkton. We'll hear from Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. The first quarter of 2023 has been a good one for both cow-calf producers and feedlots. We'll hear from Brenna Grant with the uh, Canfax in Calgary. She's their executive director. Grain prices remain relatively strong this spring as well. We'll check in with the president of Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wellwyn, Alan Johnston. And a new FCC survey says farmers are taking more advantage of computer farm management programs. We'll hear from FCC Ag Expert Manager Krista Kilback. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio-meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The Saskatchewan government is welcoming the announcement that Louis Dreyfus Company will be doubling its canola crushing facility at Yorkton. Agriculture Minister David Merritt was especially pleased to hear the news. Obviously I was very excited about it Doug. I mean this is great uh, obviously for the farmers in the Yorkton area and province of Saskatchewan and probably even into Manitoba but it's also great news for the city of Yorkton and the community as well. This is going to obviously bring some uh, jobs and some economy to the city as well but it's uh, it's great news for the farmers here in the province of Saskatchewan. Anytime that we have another uh, opportunity to sell our product to somebody. It just brings a little higher return for the farmers, and, and that's what it's really all about is improving their bottom line. And as a government, that's what we want to do, and I think we put the right uh, you know, investment attraction opportunities in place that we see global companies like Louis Dreyfus making a very significant investment here in the province of Saskatchewan, and we're really, uh, really happy about that. And uh, obviously, they're making these uh, decisions on very sound business uh, decisions, and, and we really appreciate that. And we always appreciate companies when they want to come and invest in Saskatchewan, especially in the ag community. With the JRI canola crushing plant in Yorkton announcing two years ago that it's doubling its capacity, he says there's a lot of confidence in the canola industry. Well, there has to be, and I, you know, and, and that's what I said. Uh, you know, these companies are making uh, pretty significant investments. So, 
uh, we're happy about it. It really falls in line with where our growth strategy is and where we want it to be. Right now, you know, we're crushing a little over 4 million metric tons here in the province of Saskatchewan. And if all the announcements come online that uh, we're hearing are, like, you know, with Louis Dreyfus, uh, JRI right there in York, and we got Cargill building in Regina as well. And with other uh, companies that have made uh, announcements of expansion or builds, uh, that could take us, that'll take us well over our 75%. We'll probably be in getting close to 90 to 100% of what we grow here. So uh, I think these companies look at, they want to be in the heart of the canola um, uh, crop and the, in the production. And they are. And uh, to make these type of investments is, as I say, uh, great news for the province of Saskatchewan. And, and we really got to thank these companies for making these uh, decisions to invest here. Merritt is confident that enough canola will be grown to satisfy the needs of canola crushers. When you look at how uh, the varieties have improved, how farming practices have improved, and there's a stat, uh, Doug, that we just found out that really the listeners have to hear this one. We did a study on our carbon footprint on growing canola versus other jurisdictions around the world. And Doug, we're number one in the world. And I think a lot of these companies are looking at that now. I think their their customers are asking, you know, how is how is your product that you're selling us? How is it growing? Where is it growing? And uh, what's the carbon footprint? And we've got a great story to tell. We'll continue to do it. And I think that's why companies are looking here. Uh, I'm very confident our farmers are going to come through with uh, new varieties. And obviously, technology is changing. Everything is, is working in our favor that way that I'm uh, very confident we'll continue to grow more canola and uh, we'll make sure we hit those targets for the, for the crushers to, to be able to obviously uh, produce the oil and, uh, and canola meal as well. But he cautions producers against altering their crop rotations in order to grow more canola. Well, that's right. And I mean, we always want to do it in a sustainable manner. And that's why I say we've done a lot of our, our research on that. But, I mean, uh, you just look at other parts of the province now that are growing canola as well, Doug. I mean, you know, 15, uh, 20 years ago, canola was not growing down in the southern part of the province, down in my area. And now that's, it's part of the rotation like everybody else is. So uh, they're all using, you know, either three- or four-year crop rotations. So it's, it's working. We're getting healthier soil, more organic matter, and we're producing more. And that's really what we're trying to do and want to do. That's why we always invest significantly in research as well. So we can find new crop varieties, improve on them. Uh, obviously, disease-resistant uh, varieties as well. So, uh, you know, we just got to continue that. And hopefully we can continue to meet the demands of the customer globally. And I think that's why you're seeing companies come here. Uh, they want to come, you know, food priority right now has all of a sudden become number one with a lot of companies around the world. So they're coming to where it's growing. And Saskatchewan is the heart of the canola country. Merritt adds that canola oil will likely be in demand as a biofuel. Yeah, there could be. You know, we just don't know where that's going yet. But obviously, uh, these these companies are are making these sound investment uh, opportunities as a result of some of that. But uh, I'm sure you know they're not doing this on a whim. They know that the world needs the product that that they're making, and that's uh, what we're very happy about. And he had this final comment. You know, I just want to obviously uh, thank Louis Dreyfus and other companies that have invested here. It just speaks to the confidence that they have uh, in the province of Saskatchewan and uh, in the investment attraction that uh, we put in place to allow this to happen is obviously good for the farmers here as well. 
and uh, it could be very well for the livestock sectors as well with canola meal. So uh, all in all, this is the good news for, for everyone in the province of Saskatchewan. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. It's time now for the AgReview portion of our program. That's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Next 94, AgReview. Australia and China have reached an agreement to resolve their dispute over barley imports, and that's going to impact Canadian barley export prices. Relations between those two countries have been strained for years and grew worse after Australia called for an inquiry into the origins of COVID-19. That triggered an 80% duty on Australian barley imports into China, which benefited Canada. China has agreed to review those duties over the next three months. Mike Jubinville is a senior market analyst with Markets Farm. Australians, because of their competitive proximity advantage to the Chinese market, if they could free up barley exports into China, you know, we would probably see these international prices drop by as much as $25 a ton. Tensions between China and Australia eased following last year's election of the centre-left Labour Party in Australia. Pulse seeding in Saskatchewan is expected to start on time this spring if the weather cooperates. Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Executive Director Carl Potts anticipates a 10% decline in seeded area for peas as well as a 5% reduction for lentils, which he attributes to competition with other crops and root disease in some areas. On the other hand, Potts expects a large rise in chickpea acres due to strong prices, likely around a 30 to 35 percent increase. He says some pulse growers in Saskatchewan may have to wait a while until the large snowpack fully melts before hitting the fields. Despite a slowdown in pea exports, Potts believes the pulse industry in Saskatchewan is on track to meet its export estimates and demand for pulses is growing and staying strong. There's a new chair at the Western Grains Research Foundation. Radisson Saskatchewan farmer Laura Ryder was elected to the post at the first meeting of the new board following the organization's 2023 annual general meeting. Ryder is a producer and trained agrologist who has spent time working in research and in the agriculture retail sector. She's also a familiar face in Saskatchewan agriculture, having served as a board member and later as chair of Sask Wheat. Kevin Auk of Carmengay, Alberta, was re-elected vice chair. The Western Grains Research Foundation is the largest producer-led funder of field crop research in Canada. Since 1981, the foundation has funded more than $229 million of research in field crops of interest to Western Canadian farmers. In a bit of a surprise to market participants, Projected ending stocks for soybeans and corn in the United States for the current marketing year were left unchanged by the U.S. Department of Agriculture in its latest monthly supply and demand report. The USDA left 2022-23 U.S. soybean ending stocks unchanged at 210 million bushels. Average trade estimates had been for tightening stocks below 200 million. World soybean carryout was up to 100.29 million metric tons by the government agency from 100.01 million in March. 
For wheat, U.S. ending stocks were estimated at 598 million bushels, which would be up by 30 million from the March report and at the high end of trade expectations. The world wheat carryout was down by 2.15 million metric tons at 265.05 million. Russia says the outlook for the UN-brokered Black Sea grain deal is not great, as promises to remove obstacles to Russian exports of agricultural and fertilizer exports have not been fulfilled. The Green Deal is an attempt to ease a food crisis that predated the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but has been worsened by the most deadly war in Europe since the Second World War. The agreement, due to expire next month, was first signed by Russia, Ukraine, Turkey and the United Nations last July, and twice extended. On paper, it allows for the export of food and fertilizer, including ammonia from three Ukrainian Black Sea ports. But Moscow says that Russian food and fertilizer exports are compromised by obstacles such as insurance and payment hindrances that it says must be removed. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly cloudy and 4 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The first quarter of 2023 has been a good one for both cow-calf producers and feedlots. Brenna Grant is the executive director of Canfax in Calgary, she spoke last week in Saskatoon. We saw fed cattle in Alberta reach new record highs in mid-March and are continuing to see one of the strongest spring rallies in the last 15 years as we are seeing leverage shift from the packer to the feedlot. Across North America, we see fed cattle supplies tightening up. She starts with live cattle. Yeah, so cows um, here a couple weeks ago reached 132 per hundredweight. So that's the highest since September 2015. And for a couple of weeks there, it looked like we were going straight up, which is fairly exciting. And we got to remember that we're seeing cow slaughter in the U.S. pull back significantly from levels that we saw last year. We're seeing lots of concern both in North America, but also internationally about um, potential for recession. During recession, ground beef tends to perform very well with the consumer. It's a versatile product. So we're seeing lots of strong interest in lean trim, which is going to continue to support the cow market. Grant says inflation is the greatest concern right now. Absolutely. Here in Canada, we've been talking for probably two years about food price inflation in general. We are seeing the Conference Board of Canada estimate that the average Canadian family is going to be paying over $1,000 more for groceries this year. And so a top of concern for consumers here in North America, but also around the world and in places where food represents a much larger percentage of their total income. 
In comparison, North American consumers, where we sell Canadian beef, food is a relatively small percentage of their overall income, and we've seen some really good resilience in that consumer. But that definitely is a concern for beef demand going forward, is the fact that we're seeing inflation and that erosion of purchasing power for the consumer. And are we going to see the potential of demand erosion? Our challenge is demand information is lagged anywhere between three to six months in terms of indicators. And so, so much of that is hindsight that we can look at prices either stalling or softening and we can go, is that demand? But are never really sure until after the fact. She says the traditional price spreads between beef, pork and poultry have remained relatively constant. So we've seen a lot of volatility for all of them. In January here of 2023, we saw our retail beef prices in Canada right back up where we saw them a year ago in the first quarter of 22. And at that point in the first quarter, we did see beef relatively more expensive than pork and poultry based on historical averages. That really creates incentivization for consumers to switch at the meat counter. But last year in the second quarter, we did see price corrections and come back to our historical averages. And so as long as we follow that historical trend, we should be okay. Grant then talks about the Saskatchewan cow-calf market for the rest of the year. For this year, we're seeing very strong price signals throughout the cattle sector. And so livestock price insurance is providing coverage levels above $3 a pound for calves September, October, November. And I think that's a really good gauge for producers as they look to this fall. And every producer has to look at their own operation and their own cost of production to determine if that is something that they have the forage supplies and the labor and everything else to say, is that a signal to rebuild from reductions that occurred during the 21 drought or is that an opportunity to expand and a signal that they want to respond to to expand Um, that is very much an individual operation decision but there definitely should be opportunity this fall to rebuild equity for producers. Brenda Grant is the executive director of Canfax I'll have more with her coming up right after this. Live. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Stock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 164.85 today. That's up 90. August live cattle closed at 163.97, up 72. May feeder cattle closed at 208.57, down 75. August feeder cattle closed at 225.75, up 140. May lean hogs closed at 81.52, down 85. June lean hogs closed at 87.55 down 30. And that's the livestock market conditions. Well, as you heard, it's been a rapid turnaround following the 2021 drought for most cattle producers on the prairies. Except for those in much of southwest and west central Saskatchewan, 
Weather conditions were favorable in much of western Canada for pastures and hayland. Again, this is Brenna Grant with Canfax. When you think about 2021 and the drought, record high feed costs in the winter of 21-22, like you've got to remember, a year ago, first quarter of 22, we were importing corn from the U.S. because we didn't have it. We were seeing rail strikes where there was lots of stress for producers. Was that feed going to arrive? And so many implications in terms of having to switch to maybe feedstuffs that were more expensive, but were more reliable in their supply. Lots of questions about what would happen for producers if there was a second year drought. I've got to say, so much changed with rain last June. I call it a billion dollar rain last June for the prairies. That's probably underestimating the impact it had, not just financially on producers, but mentally on producers in terms of starting to turn that corner and then seeing in the second half of last year, supply really starting to tighten, see that leverage shift happening that has really changed producer sentiment today from where it was even six months ago before producers had sold calves and seen that check clear the bank. And she explains why 2015 was being used as a comparison year. Yeah, so 2015 was record high prices. So the fact that when we talk about we made new record high prices, all of our comparisons for previous record highs occurred in 2015. And it really is when you think about super cycles. So we have the cattle cycle, but we also have commodity super cycles. And that's sort of where you move to a new price level. 2015 was like the failed super cycle, that we didn't quite push through that glass ceiling, that when we look at where we're set up today, not just for beef, but for pork and poultry as well, we really need to push through for a true super cycle to end up at a new price level. That's Brenna Grant with Canfax. She spoke last week in Saskatoon. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Grain prices remain relatively strong this spring. The president of Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wellwyn, Alan Johnston, has details on the latest grain prices available on the farm. Well, you know, there's quite a bit of interest in uh, lentils right now. Laird's, Estens, all of them, Richley's, whatever you've got, uh, give us a call. We've got homes for it. Like Laird's are in the you know mid to high or in the 50 cent levels. Estens right around the 50 cent level. Richley's around 35 cents U.S. because a lot of them come out of the U.S. Reds are 35 cents right now a pound. This is all per pound. Picked up, you know, freight's paid on these things too. French greens we have interest in. And then we move on into the, say, canary seed. We're getting bids around 40 cents on canary seed, which is a, it's a super bid. And yellow peas, we're getting around 11 to 11 and a quarter. And you can sell them as edible or you can sell them into the feed market for about the same price. So that's an option for you. Green peas, $13.50 to $14.00. Uh, on average, and uh, chickpeas, are, you know, they're, they're really sought after as well. They're in 50 cents or better per pound area. Maple peas at 16, chickpeas, like I said, at 50 cents. And then we roll on into the mustards, uh, old crop yellow mustards at 82 cents. Brown mustards around 72 cents. Orientals around 72 cents. And we have uh, new crop bids and all these things too with an active bot if you want to get into the mustard market. Lots of options here, and the barley's still moving quite strong as we move into the cereals like this. 
quite a bit of interest in barley. We've got homes for feed wheat. So we've moved some rye as well. Flax is kind of in and out. We're getting around $16 for flax hog farm in certain areas at certain times. It's not an open bid from anyone. I'm working on some yellow flax right now. I bid the guy $22, and he's got a subject to sample. So he's sending the sample in to see if we can get it accepted. So that's a little stronger for the yellow flax. Oats, are, you know, there's so many oats around. I would say they're $3, 330 350 farm, and sometimes we get them delivered to feedlots or end users at, you know, that four, four and a quarter range delivered, again, subject to freight. As for feed barley... Well, feed barley, well, of course, subject to freight, of course. As you go into Alberta, it's higher in price. We moved thousands and thousands of tons into the feedlots in southern Alberta uh, over the last few weeks. And last week was a very high level of trading into that area. And we're buying over here in eastern Saskatchewan and western Manitoba, you know, in that 750, 775 range picked up. As you go further west, the price will go up because the freight is less getting into that Alberta feed market. Johnston has the latest on Durham wheat. Durham, you know, Durham's trading, there's some bids on it. Just, again, it's not a hot market, but there's bids out there looking for Durham. I don't even want to say I might be out a dollar on it right now. I haven't traded anything for a few days, so. He moves on to spring wheat. Well, that spring wheat is, is pretty much the same prices out there as, as the good feed wheat. So, again, in that 1050 to 1150 range, uh, subject to freight and what you've got for sale. But if there, there's homes for it, if you, if you want to go into that feed market, we can get a home every day, of the, every day of the year, as opposed to what it was before when we were under the wheat board. We've got lots of homes for lots of different grains right now, and just every day of the year. Johnston adds they've expanded into a new product line that controls gophers. We stumbled onto a gopher bait problem for getting rid of gophers, and that it's just been unbelievable the amount of volume we've moved here in the last five weeks. It's just unbelievable. And this stuff has been tested in Saskatchewan. It's as strong or better than strychnine and safer. And it comes in bags. It looks like little oat pellets, but it's all approved, and we're bringing it in by the semi-loads. He says he's having a hard time keeping up with demand for it. Oh, just absolutely piles of it, and we do every day. There's more and more guys calling, because more and more RMs are finding out about it. They're taking some in. There's 40 pellets on a bag, so an RM will take in one or two pellets and then sell it to their individuals locally. And then we've got other colonies calling us up, and individuals all over, like Colony from Lumpson phoned here last week and took a whole pellet. That's 40 bags. A bag does about three and a half, four and a half acres. We can uh, explain all this to you. If you want to give us a call on our 800 numbers, we've got two of our agronomists that know all about this, the chemistry and everything in this in this product, and they can explain it to you. And our glyphosate is probably one of the cheapest in the country, if not the cheapest. We're just selling piles of it and other chemicals. Alan Johnston is the president of Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wellwyn. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed mixed in the nearby months today. May canola closed at $771 per metric ton, up $1.70. July canola closed at $742.10, down $5. May Minneapolis wheat closed at $860 per bushel, down two and a quarter cents. May Kansas City wheat closed at 863 and a half down four and three quarters of a cent may chicago wheat closed at 679 and a half up five and a half cents may corn closed at 656 per bushel up five cents may soybeans closed at 1504 and a quarter 
That's up seven cents. May oats closed at three thirty-five and three quarters, down four and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. A new Farm Credit Canada survey says farmers are taking more advantage of computer farm management programs. FCC Ag Expert Manager Krista Kilback says farmers are using field data to improve management skills and income. So we actually wanted to see whether or not producers' perspectives have changed actually in the last four years. So we did a similar survey four years ago just around trust, trust in data. So producers that share their information and their data with suppliers in the industry and who have access to their data, whether or not, you know, there's trust there in terms of what they're doing with their data. So overall, just in the last four years, actually, the results have been really positive. So just one of the the responses was that 66% of the respondents felt like companies they work with do a really good or excellent job now in handling their data, where four years ago, actually, that was only at 36%. So there's definitely been a shift. She explains why farmers are using this data. Well, I think it just shows that data is here to stay. It's here for the long run. And there's multiple reasons, but actually the top tools that they're using in terms of inputting their data is digital financial tools. So that would be like an accounting software program. And that could even be like an Excel spreadsheet that they use. The second one would be like some sort of integrated equipment software. And then the last one that came up was any type of monitoring system. So those were kind of the top three um, in terms of the respondents that we heard from. Killback then talks about what farmers are monitoring. That could be anything from soil levels to, it's honestly, the breadth is huge. So soil levels to even livestock, like you name it. So we didn't actually really cinch in specifically, so it could be any type of monitoring system. She says it could simply be grain on a farm. You betcha. Yeah, exactly. The grain in the bin, yeah. Kilback explains how the data is used. Yeah, so it just depends, right? So there's lots. So if we take Ag Expert as an example, so the farmer would then input their data into like one of our programs. So we have an accounting program and then we also have like it's called Ag Expert Field. So everything that they need for crop planning. And so they enter that data into our system, which then allows them to make decisions on the farm, right, in the moment. So whether it's financial financial management on the farm or whether it's their crop planning. So even just like now, well, hopefully the snow melts here in Saskatchewan soon, but um, for them for seeding, understanding the cost of inputs, being able to even just um, do benchmarking or planning different scenario types, right? So that's what it'll help the farmer or the producer do. She says their survey suggests that the data is really helping with farm management. You betcha. So that's actually one of the other things. So why are they using it? Well, the number one reason that they said, so we had about, I think I said 750 respondents, decision making. So that was number one. And the second reason they said was lower cost and better yield. So that just speaks to the efficiencies that they can, that they can gain. And I actually think like if they're doing the work and they're entering their data or information all year round, well, they're going to see the profits from that and the results from that, right? Year after year, because they put in the work all year. Kilback then explains how Ag Expert protects farmers' information from being hacked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
and it should be. It should be top of mind. Of course, they're concerned about safety and security or cyber attacks. We definitely do our part to make sure that, you know, that we have a secure platform and that's monitored daily. The other thing, so that's different a little bit too in terms of, so a farmer that inputs their data with us, they own that data. So like we don't share that data. We're actually, it's called Egg Data Transparent Certified. So a big fancy term for really just means we follow rules when collecting and using and storing farmers' data. We don't do anything with it. We don't share it. That farmer, they own their data. If they ever were to leave Egg Expert, they take that information, that data with them. So there's two parts to that. And sometimes I wonder too, if it's a little bit confusing, like the security of being, you know, the cyber attack, as well as that data that's being entered and used. They're different, but I mean, we, we take secure measures on both, if that makes sense. As for the cost of Ag Expert. So for us specifically for Ag Expert, so it's a yearly subscription and you can do both. So we have a crop planning tool, Ag Expert Field, and then there's Ag Expert Accounting, and that's $499, $499. Krista Kilback is the manager of FCC Ag Expert. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after this. In- Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Aging demographics is one of the challenges facing the cattle business. As cow-calf producers retire, some have no one to pass on the farm to. Land prices are good and larger grain farms are looking to expand, so when the land is sold, it's often converted to cropland. Levi Hull of Willowbrook is a director with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. He would like to see programs developed that can connect interested younger people with older producers wanting to retire. I think there's opportunities for young individuals that that maybe didn't have that opportunity or or had a smaller operation to to jump in with an older couple that are willing to exit the industry. With with the help of uh, accountants, lawyers and uh, and financial institutions, whichever one you so choose, I think there's opportunity for the ones that are exiting to help those younger producers out. And and I think there's something there that uh, we haven't tapped into far enough as an industry to get those young producers in. I mean, there's a lot of risk in this industry and and a lot of time commitment and and at times stress. And so the younger producers may not have that drive unless they have the opportunity um, with an older couple. So I think we have to tap into that and and maybe even increase, uh, you know, uh, retirement incentives for uh, through CRA or something like that for these individuals to help out those young producers. I think there's opportunity there. He says some older producers would be okay with someone from outside their family carrying on their farm business. There's a lot of time, sweat, blood, tear, equity that goes into these operations. And I think uh, if there's opportunity for a young producer to take that operation over, even though it may not be a son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter, I think they'd rather see it go to somebody that they know that they can trust, um, that they can even help mentor through this process, than to see, you know, um, the traco and the cat come in and push a feedlot down or, or corrals and just uh, have it stay local. We're starting to see a lot of, of uh, individuals that are investment groups buying land, and, and we're losing that connectivity to small community, I find. And, and I think I think we're going to see a shift where, where producers, if there's some programming out there that'll help them do this and, and uh, financial incentives, um, I think we'll see a shift to that. 
The issue was one of the topics discussed at the APAS Livestock Summit in Saskatoon last week. Farm Bulletin Board. The Yorkton 4-H Spring Steer and Heifer Show is set to begin. They're moving in today, and the schedule of events begins tomorrow with the weighing in from 11 until 2. There's a grooming clinic from 2.30 until 3 for the Clover Button Junior classes, and then for the Intermediate and Senior classes from 3 until 3.30. There will be a team grooming competition tomorrow from 4 until 6 o'clock, the opening ceremonies are at 6, followed by a sponsored supper at 6.15, and then they're having a swim party tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. The events uh, then resume Friday morning at 9 o'clock is the showmanship, and then there's a lunch from 12 to 1. The judging competition starts at 1 o'clock Friday afternoon. The Youth Jackpot Heifer and Steer Show at 2.30, a sponsored supper at 6.15, and then there's the talent contest at 7 o'clock with the pie auction to follow. And then things will wrap up on Saturday with the 4-H Steer and Heifer Show at 9 and a sponsored lunch at 12 noon. That's all taking place on the Yorkton Exhibition Grounds. That's the Yorkton 4-H Spring Steer and Heifer Show starting up tomorrow. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Increasing cloud, winds west-northwest at 15 to 25 and a high of 6 degrees. For tonight overcast, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 3. For tomorrow, cloudy with a 70% chance of wet snow and rain showers. Winds east-northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 5 and an overnight low of minus 1. For Friday, cloudy with a 60% chance of wet snow and rain. Winds north-northeast at 15 to 30 and a high of 4. For Saturday, partly sunny, a high of 8. And for Sunday, sunny, a high of 9. In the Paw, it's 4 degrees, Swan River is at 7, Dauphin and Brandon 8, Show Lake Russell 5, Roblin 2. Regina is at 4, Saskatoon 7, Hudson Bay 6, Broadview Mooseman Indian Head 3, Winyard Wadena Kelvington 5. The Yorkton Melville region has a mainly cloudy sky. A west-northwest wind at 32 kilometers per hour. 75% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 4 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.